Well, in this series, we've been talking about change, and we've been looking at the encouraging, hopeful, positive, upbuilding side of change and how much better our lives can be when we let God work in our lives. We talked about, I can't change myself, but God can change me. He wants to help me. Uh, we talked about reaching out to God for change and how He responds to us so positively and so aggressively. We talked about a process sometimes we go through where we begin to let God work in our life and a change starts and then there's a challenge or a conflict because if we have, it's just not easy, right? But then there's growth if we stay at it. And then last week we talked about the three O's of change, whether if we have the right outlook and see things the way God wants us to and then follow his plan, his outline, then we have the right outcome. So we've been looking at these positive sides, but we want to give you the whole truth at Ignite Church, okay? So today we're going to look at the warning side of change, the seriousness of not allowing God to work in our lives and change us, the seriousness of not allowing Him to do what He wants to do for our own sake, and especially the seriousness of not allowing the most important change of salvation, that time when we say yes to God's offer of forgiveness and a relationship with Him. Jesus talked a lot in the Gospels about eternity and about heaven and about hell. And last week we mentioned we're going to talk about an important question. Does a loving God send people to hell? We're going to talk about that later today. Well, he died on the cross because it was that serious. He died to pay for your sins and mine so we could have eternal life in him. So today we're going to look at some very sobering and crucial statements on this subject. So first of all, here we go. Everyone is not going to heaven. Everyone is not going to heaven. Bay City's got, what, 18,000 people, spread it out a little bit in the country. Say 20, round it up to 20. How many folks do you think are in church today? 2,000? 3,000? I don't think so. I've kind of done the math a little bit from what I know. And it doesn't mean, of course, just because those folks are in church are going to heaven, or if they're not, they're not going to heaven. But that's, you know, that's kind of a barometer, give you a little bit of an idea. And we just got to face that reality. Here's how Jesus said it in the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to be letting Jesus speak to us a lot today from the Gospels about eternity, heaven, and hell. Here's what Jesus said in chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. In rich communities, they have an entrance, and we call it a gated community, don't we? You, know, you have to pull up there, and the security guard steps out. You know, do you have a reason to be here, you know? And so it's a gated community. Well, heaven and hell are gated communities. And we see here in this analogy Jesus is using, he's saying the gate and the road to hell is really wide and easy, but the road into heaven is narrow. It is a gate. We must go through a heaven gate. So what else do we need to know about this? Number two, more people will go to hell than to heaven. More people will go to hell than to heaven. Jesus goes on. Let's reread that script and then add the next one. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Only a few find it. Now, in the Gospel of John, in another place we read this conversation, Jesus was talking about being with his disciples in heaven in the future. And so in John chapter 14, verse 6, he made it clear that he was the only way to get to heaven. Look at this famous statement Jesus made. 
Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's, let's go ahead and look at another tough question. Well, what about all the world religions? Is it fair if they never hear the gospel? Blah, 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 blah. Well, God is a just God. And he deals with every person's heart who's ever lived and ever will live. And we've heard many stories of God dealing with folks who may grow up in a different religion. But because he loves folks, his spirit deals with people's hearts. And Jesus appears, communicates himself. He's done all kind of awesome things so that people all over the world, no matter how they grew up, can experience him and acknowledge him and bow to him and be born again, be forgiven of their sins through Jesus. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. I had a friend say to me years ago, I said, Ed, you're kind of narrow-minded sometimes. I said, well, it's okay to be narrow-minded when you're right. <laughs> and, and Jesus sounds really narrow-minded, but he's saying, this is the way to the Father. It's through me. It is through me. All right, let's look at another crucial fact today. Many who think they are Christians aren't. Many who think they are Christians really aren't. Back to Matthew chapter 7, that same conversation Jesus is having. Let's look at verses 21 through 23. Look what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Wow. I mean, these folks seem to have, quote, some kind of spiritual power. But Jesus is saying, I didn't know you. You don't get to come in. You've made another choice. Folks, it's real important to understand that Christianity is each individual having a relationship with God. That's the only way we go to heaven. That's the only way we enter into the family of God. We don't inherit salvation from our parents. You didn't grow up in a Christian home and that made you Christian. No more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. There's no cultural Christians. You know, in America, because we have such a strong Christian history and heritage, it can, it can degenerate that, though, into a kind of a mentality of, oh, you know, mom, God, apple pie, America. No. It's through Jesus, through a transaction with God, that we become into the family of God. So how do you or anybody else know if they really are a Christian? Well, Jesus talks about that, too, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. Here's what Jesus said about real Christianity. He said this. By their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. There is something unique about Christians. There is something specific. There is evidence of being a Christian. So fruit, we're going to define that. Fruit is evidence of the presence of God in your life. It's the evidence of the presence of God in your life. It can be internal evidence, subjective. We, our, our worship songs this morning are so, man, it was just wonderful. And the peace we can have internally with your presence, Lord, it you know, brings peace to us. And Anna was praying peace over us. That's an internal evidence. There could be external evidence, my behavior, the action of God in my life. And look at the last phrase here, guys. 
Fruit is the evidence of the presence of God in my life. It's not enough to just, quote, believe. It is not enough to just say, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. You're, you're not a Christian just because you say and believe He's the Son of God. It's more than that. Just believing doesn't equal a relationship with God through Jesus. And according to Jesus' brother, James, who we have his letter in the, gospel, in the Bible by his name, James, James says just believing doesn't put you in very good company. Look at the scary statement that James made about, quote, just believing. He said this, You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Wow, that's powerful stuff, guys. So you might be thinking, well, dang it, you're trying to get me to doubt my salvation today? Well, no, and yes. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt, but yes, I believe God wants us to think. As, as a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said that we should, quote, examine our faith. We should look at it and say, is there fruit in my life? Look at what Paul said in his letter to the church in the city of Corinth. Here's what Paul said. He said, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. What's he saying? Look at your life. Is there any evidence of God in your life? Is there any fruit inside you? Is there anything? Is God active on the inside of you? Is he working on you to change you, to make you more like Jesus? Is he speaking to you? Do you hear his voice? Is there a relationship there? Is there a difference in the outward life you live from what you may have been like before. Where is there any evidence? Then he goes on and he says, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. A strong word about self-examination for salvation. Here's a great guideline that can help us. I love this phrase. I wish I would coined it, but I can't say I came up with it, but I'm going to adopt it today. Okay, here it is. Faith alone saves. We only come to God by faith. See, that's, let me digress and pause for just a second. You could put all the world religions into one basket, okay? Islam, Buddhism, all world religions, you can put them in one basket. Man's efforts to reach God. Man's efforts to do something to make God happy. That's why every primitive society that's every ever discovered every tribal society in the deep Amazon, what do they always have? They always have ritualistic sacrifice to appease God. You see that? Inside of us, we know that there's this God, and He's holy, and He could hurt us, and what do I need to do? Well, only Christianity says you can't. God did it for you. Jesus came and died for your sins. And when God gives you faith to believe, he died for you, rose from the grave, and he's giving you faith to say, yes, I believe, come into my life. I give you my life, the great exchange. When that faith is operating, that's what, quote, saves us. That's what adopts us into the family of God, okay? Just by faith. Let's, let's put this whole statement together. Faith alone saves us, yet that faith that saves is never alone. Once I'm saved... There's fruit. Something begins to happen. And throughout my life, more and more and more throughout my life, as I'm walking with God, there should be a growing relationship. There should be internal and external evidence. Faith alone saves, yet faith that saves never stays alone. All right, three more critical facts we got to know about heaven, hell, and eternity. Number four, you will not get another opportunity after you die to accept God's amazing offer. After you die, it's done. When we're dead, 
It's too late. There's not a line to get into heaven and people can decide after they die, well, okay, Lord, I want in. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. Look at this verse from the book of Hebrews on this subject. From Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we read this. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So once we die, it's over. The choice, it's too late. So there's no second chance after death. So what's next? Number five. Today could be your last chance. Today could be your last chance to begin a life with God. Here's what Jesus said in another conversation about eternity. He told a story and then he summed it up. Look what he says. In Luke chapter 13, when the master of the house has locked the door, it'll be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door. But he will reply, I don't know you or, or where you come from. After we die, it's too late. Today could be our last chance. There's two reasons today could be your last chance. Number one, you could die today. Again, town of 20, county of 30,000, is there a chance someone will die today in Bay City? Yeah, I'd say so. Is there a chance somebody will die unexpectedly in Bay City? Yeah, I'd say so. The next couple of weeks, it'll probably happen somehow, somewhere unexpectedly. We, we just don't have another breath of guarantee. And I don't know if you're like me, but I don't think about that very much. You know, I, I don't think about, you know, my life could be over today. I just don't. But maybe we should. You know, maybe we should think a little bit about eternity and, hey, this, this could be it. And how am I living for God today? So you could die today. Or this is so important. And I don't think we, we say this enough in the church. We talked earlier about faith, right? We come into a relationship with God through faith. When God is giving us faith and we're receiving that, and it's kind of like this faith cup gets filled up. Well, you know what? God doesn't have to do that all the time throughout your whole life. I, I kind of see it as God's putting his faith-building hand. And God might say, you know what? 30 years is it. You know, after 30 years, I'm going to lift that hand of faith. And you can't get saved just because you want to. It's not like you could go online and buy this item the rest of your life anytime you want to. It's just there for you. No, it's a God thing. God is giving you faith to believe. The scripture says today is a day of salvation. There is no guarantee God will be giving anybody faith to believe tomorrow. Think about it. That makes sense, doesn't it? So today could be it. You could die. God might lift his faith-giving hand off your life because it's been there for a long time. I, I, love, I love how long... The, the, the old King James Version says long-suffering. God is how patient and how for years and decades he, he works in our lives. But he doesn't have to. Now, here's the last and I believe the most important thing that we've got to know about heaven and specifically hell. Number six, God did not make hell for you. He did not create hell for you. And he doesn't want you to go there. We decide if we go there or not. We make that choice. Going to hell is on us. It's not on God. He didn't make it for us. He doesn't want anybody to go there. Jesus was telling another story about the final judgment after people have lived on earth and they die. Now they appear before God. And he used a story to talk about those on the right and on the left of the king. And at the very end now, we're going to see something crucial to understand about hell. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then 
the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. You might underline that last phrase, prepared for the devil and his demons. Hell was created for the devil and his demons, not for people. And so the old question of how could a loving God send somebody to hell? Well, it's not a great question because he doesn't. It's not a matter of him choosing or not choosing to send you to hell. He chose to create it for the devil who rebelled against him and his demons. And yet, if people choose to, they get to go there too. So let's hear God's heart on this whole thing. Heaven, hell, eternity. What's, what's God's heart about it? How does he feel about it towards you and I? 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this. For God says, this is the heart of God, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. That's God's heart. He's like, I'm listening. If anyone will cry out and say yes to me today, today is the day of salvation. The time is right now. So I want you to, to picture this with me. Picture a stormy night. We're supposed to have some storms in the next couple of days here. Picture a really stormy night, and, and you're in the car going down the road, and traffic slows down, and wh what you see ahead of you is that there's a fork in the road. There's a Y, and it goes two directions. And, and to the right, it, it's wide open and easy, and it, and it looks okay, kind of appealing, you know. That's, it just, that'd be an easy way to go. But to the left, it gets kind of narrow, and the cars have to slow down and be very intentional turning there, okay? Well, there's also a sign over here flashing that says, Bridge out, death ahead, for that broad, wide highway there. The highway looks great, everything looks great, but there's a flashing sign, death ahead. And then there's a highway patrolman standing right there, right there at the fork, right, right there. And he's standing, and he's waving his flag, this way. Go this way. Go away from death and destruction. Go into this narrow way. Go this way. And so there it is. The driver has a choice. That highway patrolman can pull out his gun and point it at you and make you stop, come around and say, get out, get in the driver's seat and get in the back seat and force you down that safe road. But he doesn't. He points the way. The sign's flashing. He cares about every driver in every car, but he doesn't force anybody to go the safe way. Guys, I believe that's God's heart for people. He doesn't want anybody to go to destruction. He doesn't want anybody to have life without him, but he doesn't make the choice. We do. So let's put it together in some practical ways. How should this impact my life? How should an understanding of an eternity heaven and hell impact my life. Number one, do I pass the test? Is there some real evidence? Is there some proof in my life of a relationship with God? And if this is unsettling you today, if it's bothering you, maybe it should. Maybe it should. Second, what about the salvation of others? Do you think about the fact that other people are going one way or the other? Again, I, I have to confess, I, I don't think enough about this. I, I do some, but just this week, and Chad and I working on this message, we talked like, man, we it's so easy just to kind of get, I don't know, 
over-focused on details or crises and, and sometimes kind of lose the big picture that people are heading to an eternity. And you know what? It's not even that just that people are heading to eternity. Right now, do we have this mindset? Do we have this mindset that right now, people who are alive on earth without Jesus, they're already living in hell. Life without Jesus is hell on earth already. Folks may look great on the outside, good job, money, looks like the marriage and everything's okay. But when they lay down at night, they can't have what Anna prayed that we'd have today. They don't have peace inside. If they're honest, they'll admit, man, what's it all about, you know? Maybe I need a new spouse or a new job or something. What, what, What they're recognizing is that they're empty without Jesus. And the challenge for us is, do we care enough that we're praying for folks? This morning during the worship, I was thinking about the message a little, and I was just praying for folks, neighbors, friends, family, just, just folks I know who need Jesus. So what about the salvation for others? I think God wants to refresh in us today a, a concern, a burden, sometimes we call it, His heart for people, for us to pray for folks to come to Jesus to pursue people that God puts in our heart. I really believe God wants to direct us to people. There's some guy at work that you can just tell God wants you to talk to a little bit, build a little friendship with. Over time, you'll get to share your life and get to talk about Jesus over time, but you've got to take a step. There may be people right now that you have a friendship and relationship with, and they would be open and this week, you could call them up and say, hey, you know what? I've told you about my church, and you've heard of what's going on. I'd love for you to come this Sunday. We're going to have kind of a fun Sunday to celebrate and have a little dinner on the grounds afterwards. Why don't you come? And on the surface, it just sounds like a light, you know, nice, sweet little invitation. Below the service is that you know God loves that person. And he's put a concern in your heart, too. And so you're very intentionally praying, and God, when's the right time to Invite them to church. I think it's a big deal. As a matter of fact, let's pause right now. Let's just pause and pray for just a minute. Please bow with me. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love people so much and that you care about them, that you care about us. God, we wouldn't be here this morning if you didn't care about us. It's, it's because you've worked in our heart and drawn us to yourself that, that we're even here this morning. And God, we, we're wanting to let this message impact us and Especially, we want to think about others today. So, Lord, right now, would you just bring to our minds people to pray for who need Jesus? Right now, just take a minute. Just, just pray for people that their names are coming to your mind. Lord, I, I pray for these people that have been in my mind today, that you'd work in their life. You'd open their eyes to how much you love them. You'd open their eyes to how empty their life is without you. You increase the hunger that's in every man and woman for Jesus. Increase that God-shaped vacuum in their life. Make it stronger. Help them realize they need you. And then, Lord, speak to me. Give me guidance in reaching out, pursuing friendship, sharing your love, inviting them to church, whatever. Lord, I want to say... Do whatever you want to do to my heart to soften my heart more like yours. To give me more of your burden for people. Amen.
want to talk to a couple groups of folks as we get ready to wrap up this morning. First, you may be that person. When I read that verse earlier about today is a day of salvation, something inside you is just ringing like, yeah, I am ready. God's been working in my life, and I've been coming to church, reading the Bible, thinking about this, talking to friends, whatever, and I'm ready. I believe today is my day. I believe God came from heaven in the form of his son and died for my sin and rose from the grave. And I've got faith in my heart today to say, yes, Lord, I want to receive you and forgiveness and you come into my life. So for you guys, I want to just kind of give you a model of how we could talk to God, how we can make this exchange, how we can pray in such a way that that God comes into our life. It's not about the words. It's just, it's about the heart. So I want to just kind of pray through how I would do it and If this is your day, I'm going to go slowly, and you can make this your own and say yes to Jesus today. So I would pray something like, God, I want to be all in with you. God, I I get it. I I see what life's all about. I, I want to say yes to the offer of forgiveness that you give, yes to the offer of you coming into my life and having a relationship with you that starts now. So, Lord, forgive me where I've done wrong. Come into my life. Come into my life. I give you my life in exchange for your life. Help me now, Jesus. Help me to grow in a relationship with you. Help me know you. Help me follow your example. Thank you so much for loving me. Amen.